Well, hey, welcome to Genesis. Uh, we are glad you guys are here tonight, and uh, we are excited for what God has in store for us tonight. And uh, it's been a great night so far, and, uh, and I'm excited to see uh, what's left. And um, I know God's got great things for tonight. So uh, tonight is week three uh, of our series, The Tipping Point, uh, where we are discussing attributes that Christians need in order to see revival in the world around us. Uh, and we're doing so by studying different stories from the book of Acts. So in week one, uh, we talked about how we should love people in a beautiful way. And we saw that in Acts chapter two. Uh, and then last week in week two, we talked about how uh, we need to keep Christ above culture. And we saw that in the story of Stephen in Acts chapter seven. And tonight I wanna continue this conversation by introducing to you what is known as the broken windows theory. And before I do that, I want to ask you a question. So has anyone ever owned anything that was brand new, and because it was brand new, you were scared to death to mess it up? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so so for example, uh, maybe, or maybe it wasn't brand new, maybe it was just new to you. And so because it was just new to you, you're like, yeah, I'm going to go above and beyond to take care of whatever this is. Okay, so maybe it was a car. Maybe it was a phone. Maybe it was like a brand new pair of shoes. Maybe it was a new shirt. Uh, I'm, I'm personally a stickler about shirts. Uh, whenever I get a new shirt, I'm careful how I wash it. I'm careful how I dry it. I'm careful with uh, you know, not, not to get stains on it. I'll iron it. I'll take care of it, right? But then I also have like this, this other shirt that I have, this one shirt in particular that I actually, I've had, uh, it, I got it from an all-star baseball team when I was 13 years old and it still fits me. And so I still have it like from 2006. And so I'm still rocking this shirt every now and then. But when it comes to that shirt, yeah, it's like, whatever, like throw it in the dryer. I don't care if anything gets on it. It's, it's 14 years old. It's okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's one of those things where it's brand new. You take care of it when it's not, not so much. Right. And we're like this with bigger things too. Right. So when you, let's say, let's say who's like the people in here who's, they just leave their car trashed all the time. Just like you live out of your car. Okay. So yeah. So uh, I've seen some of your cars and I know. Uh, so so when you, when you clean out your car, you all of a sudden become like adamant about like, I'm not leaving trash in here ever again, right? If you come and sit in my car, you're taking your trash with you. But then if your car is already trashed, you know, you're like, oh, what's another Gatorade bottle on the floorboard? Like whatever. Or like someone comes in to sit in your car and there's stuff all over the passenger seat and you're like, yeah, just throw it in the back, whatever. Just throw it all in the back. It's okay. You know, we've all been there. That's how it is. Uh, and we're like this with phones too. You get a brand new phone and you're really careful. You put a case on it. You try not to drop it. But then that screen gets cracked. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Just start tossing it around. And you're like, what? You know, it doesn't matter anymore. It, you know, I, actually I've seen people, uh, Andrew actually, I thought of when I was talking about, when I was thinking about this, he actually had a phone one time that broke and I have a video of him taking his phone and just spiking it into the ground. Like you're not doing that with a brand new phone. You're doing that because the phone's broken to begin with. So, so we, you know, we're, we're like that. We're actually, we support the broken windows theory all the time. We may not even know it. And so the broken windows theory is a theory that is, uh, it's used most commonly in the criminal justice world. Now, this is a theory. It's not hard fact, but uh, there's different examples of it working. Uh, But here's the best way I can explain it to you. So imagine you're walking down the street, downtown Charleston, and you see someone throw a rock through a window of a building. All right. Now, what what would you think if you saw that? Like, ah, that's not very nice, right? But then over time, the broken window never gets fixed. 
And eventually, this is believed to cause someone else to break another window because the first window was tolerated. And over time, a broken window leads to other kinds of vandalism, like graffiti. And then graffiti leads to theft. And theft leads to assault. And then assault leads to murder. And before you know it, a neighborhood has become the wrong side of town. And so the theory states that if you improve the context, such as immediately fixing that broken window, uh, the crime is held in check. In other words, you stop it before it starts. And there have been several cities, uh, uh, studies done in different cities where law enforcement will actually go into these tough and rough parts of town and they'll fix these windows, they'll install street lights and they'll paint over the graffiti and they'll start enforcing really hard even the smallest and pettiest of crimes. And eventually over time, the crime rate drops. Why is this? It's because when you improve the context, you improve the behavior. And that's the broken windows theory. Now, do we all feel a little bit smarter? Awesome. So we didn't talk about this last week, but this series is based loosely on a book of the same title by Malcolm Gladwell, uh, The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. And this book is basically a research paper on what it takes for a product or an idea to spread like wildfire and reach a tipping point. Um, And I read this book a few years ago, and as I was looking back through it for this series, uh, I was really amazed at, at how much the, the uh, book by Malcolm Gladwell and the book of Acts had in common. Uh, and obviously the book of Acts was written thousands of years before Gladwell ever wrote his book. And so you find a lot of the same principles in both. And uh, one of them happens to be the broken windows theory. And so we're going to see this played out tonight in uh, Acts chapter 9. So I'd love for you to go ahead and turn there with me, uh, Acts chapter 9. And while you're doing that, um, I'll get kind of get you up to speed with uh, where we are in Acts. So last week, we saw a great persecution break out led by a man named Saul. Uh, and in the beginning of Acts 9, we actually see Saul have this amazing encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he surrenders his life to Jesus. And he would later be renamed Paul, as we know, and goes on to become the greatest evangelist to ever live. Uh, and so he, we actually see him go from leading this persecution to now trying to escape the persecution. He goes from taking lives, and now he's on the run for his life. And, uh, and so obviously, you know, when Jesus gets involved, the tables turn a little bit. And that's what we see in Acts chapter 9. And so after all of these events take place, we see Peter have an encounter with this paralyzed man named Aeneas. And so Peter is out, it says in the verse we're about to read that he was here and there among them, meaning that he's walking around visiting all these new churches that have have, uh, sprung up. And uh, and while he's doing that, we see this story take place. So this is Acts chapter 9, verse 32 through 35, and this is what it says. It's on the screen um, for you to follow along. It says this. It says, uh, now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose. And all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. So we see Peter, he's walking uh, here and there among them, like it says, and he arrives at this city named Lydda, and he visits the believers living there. And he finds this man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed for eight years, it says. So uh, it was either by, a, by a, some sort of accident that caused it or by some sort of disease. We don't really know, but he's paralyzed. And Peter sees him, and he says to him, he says, Aeneas, Jesus heals you. 
Now make your bed, get up and walk. And what does Aeneas do? He gets up and he walks. And then we see all of the rest of the people in this region, they see Aeneas and they recognize him as, oh, this man was paralyzed and now he's not. Now he's walking around and he's active. And so because of this, their eyes are open to the power of God and the entire region turns to faith in the Lord. So when Peter came into this town, what did he do? He spotted a broken window. He spotted a broken window named Aeneas. And through the power of Jesus, he fixed it. And because of that fixed window, the whole region's eyes were open to who God was. And so an encounter with God can have an incredible trickle-down effect in your life, an incredible trickle-down effect in the world around you. That God used Peter to improve the context, which leveled the ground for God to move in a huge way. And so let me ask you this tonight. Who are the broken windows in your life? Who are the broken windows in your life? Is it a friend? A family member? A classmate? A coworker? Is there someone that you know is broken that you need to reach out to? Is there a, um, a situation that you need to go fix? Is there a need that you can meet? Is there someone that you need to reach out to? That's something you may need to wrestle with. Who are the broken windows in your life, because taking the time to fix these broken windows can have an incredible impact on the kingdom of God and make a massive difference. And this raises kind of the, the, the common question of how. You know, like, okay, I get it. You know, I'm supposed to go do this. I'm supposed to go fix these broken windows, but how do I do it? How do I actually go reach out? How do I make this difference that you're talking about? How do I fix these broken windows? Well, when you look at the, the process that Peter uh, displays in this story, we can, we can see exactly how to do this. So Peter, he, he, he laid eyes upon the paralyzed man. He felt compassion for the paralyzed man. And then he had the boldness to heal the paralyzed man. And so what did he do? He had the eyes to see the need. He, his heart broke for the need. And then he had the boldness to meet the need. So what did he do? He saw it, he felt it, and then he fixed it. And so maybe tonight, that's what we can take away from this. That when it comes to the needs around us, we should see it, see it, feel it, fix it. 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 But the problem is, is that we often have a next time mentality, right? I was actually at uh, Starbucks a while back. And uh, you guys are familiar with the, uh, the pay it forward movement, right? So, you know, you're in line and the person in front of you pays for your tab. And then when you show up to the, the counter, they're like, yeah, you've already been taken care of. The person paid for you with the intention that you're going to pay for the person behind you, right? You guys know what I'm talking about. So one time, a uh, while back, I was at Starbucks. I was in the drive-thru and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting on my uh, turn to come up to pay. And I finally get up to the, the, uh, the window, um, not the broken window, the cashier's window. And, um, and so the lady says, hey, uh, your tab has been paid. You know, the person before you paid for you. And I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. I think that's the only time that's ever happened to me by a stranger. So I was like, hey, that's incredible. And, uh, and so she's like, yeah, you know. And so she shuts, the, uh, she shuts the window and goes to make the drink. And, uh, and I'm sitting there like, okay, so I'm going to keep this going, right? So I was like, let me see if there's any customers behind me. And so I look in the rearview mirror, 
And there was a customer behind me. There was a van full of customers behind me. And there was like six or seven people back there, like in one van. And I was like, oh, there's no way that I can go home and be like, yeah, I spent 40 bucks at Starbucks today, whatever. You know, I was like, there's no way I can do that. And so I was like, ah, next time. Next time, it's all me. Next time I got it. And so the, the lady, you know, gives me, my, gives me, you know, my drink and I don't pay for the next person and I drive off and I'm sure, you know, she's judging me, you know, the whole way, like, oh my gosh, he, you know, he's not paying it forward. He stops the chain. The chain stopped with that guy. But, you know, that's, that's often how it is, right? That we, we see people in need and we think, uh, next time, next time I got it. Next time it's all me. We see an opportunity to fix a situation. Next time, next time I got it. Or maybe you see an opportunity for you to reach out, an opportunity for you to share the gospel. Next time. Next time I got it. It's all me next time. Not this time, though. Next time. And you know, if we constantly have a next time mentality, nothing is ever going to be accomplished because it's always going to be next time. And so we need to make a shift from next time to this time. Make a shift from next time to this time. Like, no, I'm not going to wait till next time. I'm doing it this time. And it's these random acts of kindness that when added up, they start to make a real difference in the world around you. So if you want to start making a difference, here's Mike's how to make a difference one-on-one. You ready for this? All right, here you go. Here's some ideas for you. You ready for this? Send an encouraging text. Send an encouraging text. Be nice to your waiter. Be nice to your waiter. That's a great one, okay? Hold the door for people who have their hands full. Ask people how they're doing and really mean it. Let someone know you're praying for them. Pick up loose trash. Spend your time. Give your money. Share your stuff. How to make a difference one-on-one. That's a great start. That's a great start. Acts of random kindness, they go a long way in fixing broken windows. And you never know what kind of conversation those things can start. Because I never want to be known as someone who ignored needs. I want to be someone known for meeting needs. We don't want to be known as people who ignore needs, right? We want to be people who meet needs. And you know, there's one thing that takes a crazy idea and turns it into a crazy story. You know what that is? Crazy person. One thing standing between a crazy idea and a crazy story, and that's a crazy person. And there's one thing standing in between a bold idea and a story of boldness. What would that be? A bold person. And there's one thing standing in between an idea of love and a story of love. It's a loving person. So tonight, I would encourage you to be bold, to be loving, and maybe be a little bit crazy. And you will be amazed at how God can use that to change the world around you. See it, feel it, fix it. And in the grand scheme of things, you know, we have the perfect example of this in Jesus. Because ultimately, we were all the broken window. That we were dead in our sin, separated from God, unable to reach him on our own, hopeless and helpless without Christ. But God, out of grace and mercy, he sent his son to live a perfect life, to die a, perfect, or to die a criminal's death, a death that we deserved, and then resurrect three days later to justify us before the throne of God and to save us from all unrighteousness so that God is now just to forgive us of sin. Jesus saw our need for salvation. He felt our need for salvation and he fixed our need for salvation. He saw it, he felt it, 
and he fixed it. And that we are all the broken window repaired by the blood of, of the blood of Jesus Christ. We are all the broken window repaired by the blood of Jesus Christ. And now we are called to go do the same for everybody, for everybody else. And if we begin to do that over time, we may just see revival. We're about to move into a time of table talk. And uh, this is a great opportunity for you guys to uh, process this. And hopefully these questions that we have for you tonight will uh, unearth some things for you um, and some conversation and some good topics. And, um, and like I said before, you know, this, is, this is our response time now. And so take this and use this to apply it to your life. And uh, be open with one another, as always. And, uh, and maybe find out some of the broken windows in your life. And talk about how you, how you can fix them and what you can do about it. All right, so let me pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all that you do for us, God. We thank you that even though we were the broken window, God, you repaired us by the sacrifice you made on the cross. And uh, God, I pray that we would live our life in response to that as we fix the broken windows around us. And uh, God, we thank you that, uh, for the story of Peter and Aeneas to give us the example of seeing a problem, feeling the problem, and then fixing the problem. And I pray, God, for every situation that you know uh, in, these, in the lives of all these different people who are in different situations and different places, God, that there, there are broken windows. And so, God, I pray that you would allow them to see it, they would have eyes to see it, their heart would break for it, and you give them the boldness to fix it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.